Good morning, good evening, good night, NBN Entrepreneurship and Leadership. Personally, I'm fascinated by the story. Trust is an underrated weapon in the business landscape. I'm a really, really strong believer in learning by doing. What's the definition of success? He's trying to come up with an answer to the question. But go ahead, Richard. Uh, you could be right, but you're wrong. <laughs> good morning, good evening, good night, Entrepreneurship and Leadership Channel listeners on the New Books Network. I'm here with Kimon Fontakidis, my friend and business partner. And today we're heading in a slightly different direction because some of our listeners came back to us asking us more about what we think about business and our business experience. And today we're going to talk about leadership and management. So, Kimon, what do you think you know about leadership and management that other people miss? Or what do you emphasize more than other people in your approach to business? Um, hi, thank you for that really nice zinger of a first question. I think, uh, but I do think that, uh, I don't think I have a particularly different approach to anybody else. Uh, I think a lot of what, everything I, that I learned obviously just came through trial and error. I mean, I started a business as a 20 something kid. I didn't know anything. Um, and I, I learned along the way. I, if I had to say one thing, just one thing that maybe my take maybe is slightly different than other people, I would say that it's trust. I'd say that for whatever reason, entrepreneurs, they struggle with trusting on, on many, on many, many different levels. And, and the most fundamental way is like um, they don't trust somebody else to be able to do the job as well as them. And that ends up creating a bottleneck always in the company because only the CEO, only the founder knows exactly how to do it. So that's one type of trust. But then there's also like the trust of that we see now, like like a sort of a, a buzz a buzzword or a hot topic is, is about remote work. A lot of the tech companies now are forcing people back to the office. I've always found that remote work ultimately comes down to trust uh, and the comfort level that companies have with their people. Um, you know, Of course, these tech companies have all kinds of data that say that people are less productive. And so that's why they're doing it. And I'm not, you know, and that, that, that's, that can be a conversation for another podcast is how do we do with data and metrics and stuff like that. But um, in this case, I think that, uh, I think it's an emotional thing. I think that people don't want people to work. I think they're thinking, oh my God, they're just doing other stuff. They're not being as efficient or as effective as they can. But anyway, these are examples. And I just think the trust is one, is an area that, uh, that, you know, some entrepreneurs, they, they may struggle with that because, you know, in order to get your thing off the ground, you got to work your ass off, get to try really hard. And then all of a sudden you're going to let somebody else, you're going to give your baby over to somebody else uh, where they can mess something up. So I, I mean, it's, it's clear why it's hard, but I, I do think that's something. Um, anyway, that's my like one high level thing that off the okay, top of my and, head. And can you give an example of either in your own experience where you were trusting people more than the other people thought you were being crazy or examples where you saw some bad consequences of someone not trusting their coworkers or the people who reported to them. And if you can't, we can, I, I can just react immediately, but I'm curious if you can. Well, I, I suspect you're asking because you, you have exactly such a situation in mind. So I'll let you ask yourself that question. Okay. Well, I, I think, um, from my point of view, it's one of the biggest learnings of being an entrepreneur was realizing that management and leadership was an issue at all, that I think a lot of people start, certainly I did, doing things myself. It was just me. And the moving from 
organizing things yourself to doing things with other people, manage it through other people was a huge and a huge step for me. And it's a very different thing to think I can do this, I can do this well, I can do this so other people will pay me to. I now I have to organize the work of someone else and get them to do it. And certainly to begin with, I was dancing. I didn't speak the language of the customers. You know, I didn't speak Polish when I started in Poland. You so. didn't speak the actual language but as no, well I, as the technical language. <laughs> no, no, it's not to say you, you've, got to, you've got to have rapport with your customers and everything. But, you know, I, 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 this, was, uh, this was the barcode systems company back in the early 1990s. And I, I wasn't, not only did I not understand what the business was doing from a technical point of view? I couldn't speak to the customers. And, and you know, that, so I, I was, I, the old, I was. The old dumber whammy, the old one, two, the old double whammy. Not speaking the language and not knowing the, and not knowing the, the product information in the language. Uh, so I, I, in a way I was forced into this and I think it gave me a huge advantage because I realized extremely rapidly within a matter of days that it was impossible to micromanage. I had to. I had yeah, to you had things. to trust. I mean, you literally had to trust, I and mean, you had no choice but to trust. Exactly, right? and exactly. And and then there's a, a follow up stage where you begin to appreciate that other people are going to be doing this better than you. But I I, I was thinking that um, I, I was thinking that the the problem of lack of trust is the consequences for your team or the people who report to you or the manager who doesn't trust their staff are, are quite widespread. And one of, the, one of them is motivation that people really don't like working for a boss or a manager or a company that doesn't trust them. And, you know, I don't know if you, it, 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 so part of yeah, leadership is I, I, I yeah. motivation. I know you've got strong views on motivation. So, so I'm this positive motivation, which is like giving people incentives and things they want. And there's negative motivation of not doing things that really piss them off. And so maybe we can lead on from trust into motivation. Cause I think that it is more motivating to work in a trusting environment. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, um, I don't think it's uncommon Okay, I'm going to just, I don't agree completely because I don't think it's uncommon. I think the reality is that most environments, the way we're describing them are actually not trusting. I think it's very common for big companies to have procedures and stuff in place, which are called it for, you know, call it for what it is, but it's it, they're ultimately control mechanisms, which are, you can call it trust or not trust. But I think that that's like, so I think the standard, like basically the standard is, uh, is, is, is a relatively low level of trust for me. And I'm going to stick here with trust for a while because I think that this is I think that there's 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 more to be said. I, I actually think I've always felt that it was an efficiency thing. Uh, it's just way easier. So imagine all. So I just mentioned like these big companies, they set up controls, they set up, you know, whether time tracking or time management or various different things to know what you're doing. They're, they're spending time and energy on capturing um, the quantity and the quality of the work of their employees. And I think that if you now, you know, take this with a grain of salt and obviously we're not gonna, you, when you get to like a huge size, I completely understand why these companies do what they do. But you know, we're, we're basically addressing small businesses and entrepreneurs who are doing startups and stuff like that. And I just think that they, like, I just think the efficiency of trust is massive. Like if you don't have to check and you don't have to control, then you can do other stuff. You can do way more better, you can do way more valuable stuff for your business than controlling and checking what your employees are doing. So like, I'm a, I think there's a, and you know what? And, and Richard, maybe you can say something about this, but like I, 
the so I've basically for whatever reason that was my personality I went into this thing is like that was my default I would pretty much just trust obviously I'm not like completely stupid like but pretty much just trust and then everybody all the time and then when I reflect back on the number of times that I got burned yeah I got burned a couple times but I think the ROI on the trust was massive I didn't because of the fact that I didn't pay much attention or do a lot of the controlling along the way I think I just had way more energy and time and and again as you say positive like how do I want to spend my time <laughs> I want to be Mr. Control Mr. Whip or I want to or I want to or want to like be trying to do cool stuff and trying to grow the business and, 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 and positive things. So that's, 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 that's my take. Yeah. I think just to clarify, I think we'd both agree that, you know, you can take very simple examples. Does everyone have a key? Does everyone have passwords to all the software? Does it, can everyone make a bank transfer? And I don't think either of us are advocating that everyone can do everything in all circumstances. Last, and, and that's, least but that's be- not very efficient either. No, exactly. And I think this business of not checking up, if if a company is going to, an organization is going to be efficient, then it has to know how long it takes to do different things and what needs to be done to do it well. So McDonald's style, that how do you improve your processes if they're not defined? Mm. But at the same time, it needs to be checkable rather than checked every day. And you you, you want your manager to spend 2% of their time checking and 98% of their time working rather than 98% of their time Checking and two percent working, yeah. I suppose. I I, I I always have a, a, a friend of mine likes to say, "Who's going to check the checkers?" Because <laughs> you end up like a situation yeah. of somebody's checking, somebody didn't. Well, then of course the checkers need to be checked as well. How do we know that the checkers are not are not doing a good job checking? So there's always well, I, there's I, always I, that. Uh, I can give my yeah, I can, I, that gives me a great opportunity to give the impression I'm well read because the the Latin for that is quis custodit ipsus custodis who guards the guards and it's uh, this exactly. is a, this is a known a known problem but um but let, let let's um so I think I think we agree that um trust can be very efficient at the same time you can get burned and I mean you mentioned being burned I remember oh, I no sorry people- I would like to say one thing I would like to mention one thing about the trust thing I think it's kind of funny. Because you, you just you triggered my whatever my memory when you were when you were mentioning the different like roles. And I, I and, and I just think that this is like interesting. I lost control of the money in my company really early. <laughs> like I I but a lot of people don't do that. But it was just like I couldn't be bothered with now maybe I had a password and access. I assume I maybe I still do have a password. I, I think I don't actually have password and access today to 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 bank accounts that have large sums of money in them. But um, but even back then, like early, relatively early on, I actually, if I wanted money, I have to go to somebody else and say, please send me some money, basically to get that done. And I and 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 I just think that I'm just trying to sort of illustrate for the people. Who are thinking like this because i think that that's like the sacred that's like the crown jewels i think a lot of people don't let go of the money for a long time you know what i mean they're that's like the last thing they let go of they're like doing the money transfers themselves and maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm i don't know in your case again you were probably stuck with the foreign language foreign you know foreign you didn't know how to do anything because it was a different country so maybe you automatically had to trust people to do that but did you have that like like the, or what, what are your thoughts about the giving up the power of the money thing? Is that, is that, do, do you think that most entrepreneurs are early to do that? Or is that something that, that, that. I think I was very lucky that the early hires turned out to be responsible, honest people. And I, 
probably trusted people way too much, way too early. But I, I and I think for anyone listening, a lesson could be learned to you aim for a trusting environment, but you have to define what you're trusting people to do and what they're not to do. And it could be do with, and this comes down to how you onboard new employees, which is an important part of leadership. You need to explain to people when they come into your organization, you know, this is the way we do things. And, you know, we don't pay bribes and you can be fired for racism or sexual harassment and you mustn't break the law. It can be really basic stuff and there is no dress code. Whatever it is, there's a whole variety of things you need to tell people. And But like you, quite often that's why you have probation as well. It's because you, it's because you don't want to, um, it's because you don't want to have a, uh, situation where you trust people too much too early but it is it is important to make clear that you want to be in an environment where and there are ways people put this you, you want to say things like everyone has the authority of the ceo when dealing with an angry customer you know if you've got an angry, and for example then you know whether or not that's enforced or that's true in all circumstances then um then it's still vital to get across your expectations of good behavior. Because I think the other thing is it, it's infectious, isn't it? If you have a trusting environment, then people, it kind of raises, raises people's game. It sort of, it changes people's expectations of themselves and other people. I see you nodding, Keeman, for our listeners. Why were you nodding? No, I agree. I mean, I, I, I think that the, uh, I think that um, employees and people, will just work better in that environment, like in a trusting environment. I'm like, okay. I, and I always go back to like, when I used to, when I was starting out, and I'm really happy that this was the way I thought, right? but I literally thought like this. I thought to myself, well, if the situation was reversed and I was working in this company, what would I want? How, what would it take for me to work in this company? So I, you know, you know, and that's a pretty, like, I'm not, I don't say I'm a typical, I'm probably not a typical sort of potential employee, but I remember very early on, I thought to myself, you know what, if I, me, Kimon, was going to work in another company, I would definitely like to have the independence to be able to do, you know, to make decisions and to do like to control. Obviously, I'm aware I don't own the company and uh, I'm getting I'm, I'm a salaried employee, but I would like to, you know, I'll, I'll be most motivated and most driven if I could have control over my environment to the, to the greatest extent possible. And I think that's what trust gives you. I mean, I think if you if you basically tell like you're hiring good people to do a job and you're trusting them to get on with it. I and mean, that's just such a simple thing. And people talk about it all the time, but they don't do it. It's like they consistently will micromanage and get involved. And, you know, you go hire a specialist, <laughs> which you're clearly not. I mean, you know, the, the CEO, I mean, unless you're doing, you're hiring the exact thing that you know about, but you can't be a specialist or an expert in everything. So you're hiring a specialist, let them do, let them do their job and, and give them the freedom to create, what's the best way to do it? Um, and so that was basically why I was sort of agreeing with you because I do think that that, I just think there's a lot of benefits to the, like I think where you were going was there's a lot of benefits to the culture and to the company in general, if you can create sort of like a trusting culture where where people know. And I think you eliminate some BS as well. I think trust then sort of filters into, you know, you trust that like politicking might not get, you know, that, that people will be like, it'll be like a merit-based company and stuff like that. There, there's more to it. Like once you get this feeling of, mm. of trust in there, I think that there's, there, there, there are more thing more, more benefits that you then yeah. later, later get. Well, I, I, I was having a reflection that in, in one business I was involved in, I think we, a mistake we made was to trust people 
with a lot of autonomy without having clear expectations about what they went to do with it. And I, and an example yeah, I mean, that where, and, and I think that, you know, part of being, I, I'm sorry, I think the communication for anyone who's thinking about how to implement this in their own organization is you, you, you make clear to people, trust goes with high expectations. And, you know, I had a situation not checking up on people and I think we had a trade fair stand in Poznan. That's a big city in central Western Poland where, you know, I was I wasn't there. I was the CEO. I wasn't there for all days of the fair, but I was there for a couple of days. And we were having breakfast in the hotel, and I was ready to get off to the stand. You should be there a bit before the fair opens. And usually, the first hour or so in a trade fair, it's not very busy. But you know, several of the guys in my team who were on company salaries, company money, company cost being there, they weren't on time on the stand, and I was really. Cross, if I hadn't been there, I wouldn't have known. But I had to give very clear feedback that, you know, I'm trusting you guys to show up on time to do your job properly. But they were taking advantage. It seemed to me they were taking advantage of the lack of trust not to, not to, you know, not, not to be bothered. And it was so expensive. So I think as well as, so this might sound completely contradictory. Someone might listen to this and think, well, there you are. He trusted people, and look, they screwed him over. And so maybe, maybe, maybe we can talk to that, Kim. And how, how did you did you ever have situations where you trusted people and they let you down? And what did I you? Mean, of course, oh. that happens. But you know what? Cream rises to the top, and I really do believe that. It doesn't you know? You have to you know. I, I, we can delve into hiring, and I don't you know. But I do think this comes that there's other there's a couple. I have a couple thoughts here. First of all, hiring this is going to come into hiring practices. How do you hire people, and then how do you how do you maintain how do you manage that they're that they're you know are are, are you maintaining that they, that you have good people on staff or, or or not? I think that's that's one thing. I think the other thing though that you sort of touched on that is extremely important in the environment where you want to be sort of like Lucy Gosey and let people and give people a lot of trust is laser focus. Like this is what we're doing. This is our goal, and this is what we're trying to achieve. And so everybody has to have that like the very very core. Like everything should be everything you do should be sort of focused on the core, should be focused on what this, because particularly in a small company, the killer is you become a generalist, you do too many things, you go out there and you start, oh, there's this opportunity, oh, there's that opportunity. You start chasing the money. Like, so I think that having clear focus will help uh, people not get like sort of wasting time. Because I think that some of the time with this trust thing, people go off on tangents and stuff like that. And it's not necessarily that they're bad, that they're like bad or they don't want to be efficient or they're not, but they're just, they've been given because they've been given all this freedom and not a clear sort of vision of where to go. I think that's where you can end up. So I think that, that you do have to have very clear like vision uh, on where you want to take the company and what you should be doing with your time. Um, in terms of the, like the example that you gave, which was actually a perfect example of, it's actually the perfect example because it, um, you set up your company, you get employees, they go on business trips, you're not there. What are they doing? Right. I mean, like, that's probably what people are thinking. Um, but again, I think that the cream rises to the top. And yes, there'll be people that will take advantage. But as long as you have the core, so you need to start with yourself. <laughs> and as you said, you were there and you're ready, <laughs> you're there on time. So that's 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 the most important. You'd hope that the second person you hired would learn that from you and also be there. So sooner or later, you should have a group of people that pretty much 
believe that you should show up to the stand on time. And then when the guys that don't show up to the stand, that should be a self-policing um, environment, basically. Uh, you know, that you, you would at least hope that. And then that's one thing. But then the other thing is even if people are going to screw you over, uh, I think over time it's going to come, you know, that's great. They don't show up, but they're not going to bring a lot of sales in the long Sooner or later, they're going to be gone because they're not going to be, you know, the guys that are showing up on time and doing the work are going to be outperforming those guys. And so, you know, you just definitely have to have other things in place uh, to measure, to measure performance. It can't just be trust. It can't just be trust for everything, basically. Mm. I, I think it's interesting. I mean, we kicked off on leadership and management, but I think it's almost like a Venn diagram that trust is central to everything to do with uh, everything to do with leadership and management. And just coming back, you mentioned that I was there on time and I think, uh, and you mentioned laser focus and laser, laser focus means focus on a purpose. And it's impossible to lead people if you don't define a purpose, because, you know, the whole point about leadership is steering people towards a common goal and a common purpose. And I, I, I think that it's also mindset and attitude that if, if the people in your team get the impression that you, the CEO, the founder, don't care very much, they're very quickly going to think, why the hell should I care? And of course, if you, and that means, that comes back to setting an example that, you know, if you're there on time, you can demand it of other people. If if you're expecting everyone to, you know, comply with company security policies, you better comply with them yourself. Otherwise, they're going to see this mismatch. So I think part of, part of uh, trust is, it's not just you trusting them; it's you being trustworthy. So it's it's, it's a big obligation if you're the CEO. So I, I and maybe we can talk about this in tough situations because I think that you know sometimes people when they think of going into business, certainly as a mistake I made, you think about the good times. You get the contract. Mm-hmm. You you're growing. You're successful. The media's interested. You're making money. Everything's going well. But I think trust is almost more important when things are going badly. And so maybe. Do you want to talk to that a bit about how to keep trust when things are looking great? Well, I think, yeah, I think I have a a concept that I um that I strongly believe in actually when it comes to dealing with uh people, employees, and um but I think it actually it trust is a is a huge component of this. And I call it the the bank uh the bank of goodwill. And I think that uh Throughout your career, let's say, sorry, if an employee works in a company and they're being treated a certain way over a period of time, basically they're they're being trusted, they're not being questioned, they're 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 given opportunities. Um, they're seeing that they're they're getting fair opportunities. They're 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 not they're not saying that oh one guy's getting ahead because he's like extra buddies with the CEO or whatever. Every one of these little things is what I would call a deposit in the bank of goodwill that you're making on behalf of these employees. And so this could also be another example, another example of trust or another example, I don't know, best practice, but let's say that like, you know, you give people raises without them asking. It's a very simple thing, but like sort of assessing that uh, the market is changing, the market is moving, this person contributes a certain amount of value and being proactive with addressing compensation by a bonus and, and raises, you're, you're making deposits in this bank of goodwill. And so then you asked about tough times. Well, if I've made lots of deposits and I've shown employees that I really care about them and I'm, I treat them fairly, um, I find that when you come to tough times where you maybe have to say, hey guys, can you not get a raise or not get a bonus? Or 
heaven forbid, can you take a, can we, can we, can we, can everybody, can we all take a reduction of salary for, of 20% for the next six months or 12 months, we are having serious problems in the company. I think you're going to find a lot more, a much greater response to something like that. If you've been making deposits in the bank of goodwill the entire time, if you're just like, if you're just like sort of maxing out on people and sort of just like business is business and the market is market and stuff like that, if that's your attitude, well, you may find in tough times that you're not going to necessarily have everybody jumping on board and because they're going to also be like business is business and market is market and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, I, this is sort of we're, we're now dancing along the edge of trust versus other other aspects. But, um, yeah, I think that's that that's basically how it, that's that's how tough how, that's how it can help in tough times, at least. You, you've referenced something that I think is vital, vital in maintaining trust or building trust, which is communication, because you said you gotta, you're going to tell people X or you're going to tell people that times are, are, are good or times are bad and you're going to give people raises if they deserve them, which means you have to know what they're doing. And I think one thing that one thing that really, you know, you mentioned also it's not nice to imagine what it's like to work in your organization. If your boss or your supervisor or or the CEO has no idea who you are or what you're doing, that's not very good because that means communications bad. So you need to bake into your into the way you organize your business good communication practices, and um, that includes things like um, just having regular means to means that everyone can reach you as the CEO and you can reach everyone. Because and I, I know companies where the CEO sends out a monthly newsletter where he updates people or she updates people on all the all the facts and what's going on. But if um, but I think that also just not to take it too far, you know, if you're in a situation where you have to make a serious downsizing and there's going to be a round of firings, you can't expect you you can't expect to stay popular all the time, can you? You said that you've got the bank of goodwill. I think when you're firing, it's very hard to keep the bank of goodwill above zero when you're firing someone. But that's exactly the point. That's exactly what it does. That's exactly what the bank of, I mean, obviously the person getting fired, <laughs> I mean, that, I'm, not, I'm not considering that person. I'm considering all the survivors. Those are the people that have to feel that there have been deposits made and that they feel like, well, actually, this company has treated me right. This company generally treats him well. Yes, this is a difficult situation. They have to be. There have to be empathy, but you have to show empathy to get empathy. I mean, and I, and I think that's really what it comes down to. Um, you know, I think communication is uh, actually. We should have a conversation like this just about that because I think that by itself is an awesome, 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 awesome topic that actually goes underappreciated. But so, just to briefly say something on that, I do think that that's. You don't want to say anything is the most important, but it's like it's really, really critical. And I just find that you can never do it enough. Like as much as I valued and prioritized communication massively in my career when I was running businesses, and I would say I never did it enough. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I could never, I could never commute. You could never, you almost could never communicate enough. But all of that, but that's the communication is a huge piece of making deposits in the bank of goodwill. Because once again, if you're telling employees how the company's doing, you're sharing, like some people won't tell their employee, like they, they some people don't, I'm glad this is coming for a circle on trust, but some people, I, I believe some people won't share their revenue numbers. They won't, and they certainly won't share their profit numbers. Ooh, evil profit. 
the owner made all this money and I didn't get any. So let me just not share that number. And maybe that maybe they'll just not know that I made a, bu- a whole bunch of money as the owner of the company. No, that's exactly the whole thing about trust. And the, you're actually saying this is what I've and then let people know this is what the company made in profit. And, you know, sometimes you can share and this is how much we're distributing out in bonuses to the employees or to key employees or however you want to however you want to do, but a lot, but sharing this information is going to create a tremendous amount of, of, uh, of trust actually. And, and, ju- and just to be very, very specific here, I think it's very important to be intentional and thoughtful about the way people communicate and make sure that it's not chaotic and inefficient. We, and for our regular listeners, we had Nick Sonnenberg on a few weeks ago who, uh, talked about all these modern tools like Slack and WhatsApp and how people and you can get lost in a blizzard of communication. I, I come across people who say, "Oh, it's going to be super efficient. We're going to have a WhatsApp group so everyone can say anything." And that's absolutely not. It may be good to have a sort of digital water cooler for gossip, but you also need to make sure that you know the way you communicate is appropriate for what you want to get across. And you know, if it's an important, important HR, you know appraisal type thing it should be a one-on-one in private you know there are things you really don't want to discuss on an open plan office and there are other things which can be a town hallway or you're out in front of the company and making an all-company announcement and you always say now's the time for questions and very seldom will people ask the questions they really want to ask in front of all their colleagues so I think that there's quite a lot I'd say that in terms of building trust you need to be out there ready to face questions from everyone but also you need to be available for the one-on-one. So, so format and context is quite important for communication, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, just being there, but I, I also just think sharing, like oversharing, like, I mean, I've had lots of our, I've had lots of discussion, like there's a lot of people that don't agree with me here. So I'm, I'm not even going to say that what I think is the right thing, but I, 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 I definitely are on the side of oversharing and giving too much information uh to people because i think that that just generate like again i'm for me it's about efficiency this is all about efficiency i find that i I just i i I like like gossip and it's like the worst thing you could like when you have people sort of like gossiping but if you come out and you say all the difficult things as many of the difficult things as you feel like you can like publicly you just eliminate the ability for people to make up their own versions of uh you're taking control of the narrative in a lot of in, in a lot of respects and i think that when you when you're in any way secretive um you you you're you're not you're actually not preventing you're actually creating the opportunity for other people to write their narrative of what's actually going on because you haven't taken the opportunity to tell them what's going on so you've left space for somebody else to create that so lots of value in in in, in just in but again as i said i've had i've had uh from wiser people than me say no 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 you can't you shouldn't share that you should <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that, that's too much so yeah i think a default to transparency is a good principle I and mean, there are situations where things should be confidential but like i know quite a lot of organizations they say they ban bcc you know that thing in email where you copy people but the other person doesn't know it's being copied because that yeah. that is it's, it seems like a very gossipy type thing to do i'm saying this to keeman but hey he he i'm not telling the other i'm not telling him that someone else knows what i'm saying and that that that's a kind of a bad bad habit and um so I'm just thinking other aspects of the trust 
approach to leadership we haven't we haven't touched on um I mean, what's the risk? I mean, I think you have to ask yourself, what's the, like, what am I giving up? What am I exchanging? Like, it, it, this is an exchange, like you, like, and, and, and really this, this is really um, an emotional thing uh, for the entrepreneur. That That's what I find interesting about it. It's not, I don't think it's a, it's, it's, it's how the, how you feel as an entrepreneur, how comfortable you feel. Um, and, I, and I think that's what happens is that, because I don't think anybody has, well, I don't want to say anybody, but I think the overwhelming majority of people have very positive intentions and they want to do the best and they're all, and they're positive for the people. But, but, but there's an overriding thing of like, I want to do a good job or I need to make sure it's the absolute best, or maybe it's a quality, it's a quality. I, I often perceive it as a quality issue that, you know, for the client, it has to be the absolute best. And so what if I don't, what if I let go of the pro of some aspect of the process and for some reason the client, which is, these are all sort of admirable, respectable things, right? To deliver the best quality thing that you possibly can to the client is admirable. It's something every business should strive to do. But if you, as, a, as an owner, CEO, founder, whatever, can't, uh, you're not able to let go of some of this you're just never going to scale. I mean, literally never. And you're going to have people that don't feel appreciated and you, because you're not letting them, they know, everybody knows that uh, you're checking and you're doing the last thing. If, if, if once you start trusting them, you know, and heaven forbid, they might actually do it better than you. <laughs> but Yes. Yeah. I, I, I think um, that's certainly true that, you know, it's a very good question to ask yourself if you're founding an organization that, you know, at what stage are you going to be finding people who are better than you at doing whatever it is that the, the organization does? And you don't have to be very smart to think, but ideally, I would like to have people who are better than me doing what the organization does, because that's what the clients would like. And the remarkable thing that I know you and me, certainly believe is that it's astonishing there are a lot of people out there who are extremely talented who don't want to be entrepreneurs they don't want the stress so they're happy to work in an entrepreneurial organization for someone else and they can be extremely good at what they do and be quite happy doing what they do getting a good salary not carrying the huge organizational burden if it is an organizational burden of, of running the organization. But I, I wanted to come back to another thing about, you know, what you're trusting people to do and what you're trusting them for, that I think it's extremely important to get across what the organization's about. And, you know, I, I, I remember, I don't know if it's still true, but I remember back in the day, an organization we were talking about, we were worrying about whether it was lean and mean, the idea that we do things at low cost, we do things efficiently, we don't waste money. There's a sort of, there's the way we do things. And if you, if you trust people to do the right thing, but you're not careful to get across what the, the right thing is in that organization, then then you've got then you've got an issue, and I think that comes feeds into trust and culture and trust and values. And do you, do you think you have to mm. like have company values of you know company mm. culture? Do, do you think that there has to be like this is the yeah. way we do yeah. things? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So that's so yeah, that's I actually haven't thought about I hadn't thought about it like that before, um, but it's absolutely true that all this stuff I'm saying about trust is actually complete BS if you haven't set the company culture from the beginning and that is 
the grind the, where you, the entrepreneur, are grinding and example after example after example showing the way things need to be done, whether it is showing up at the trade show first uh, or communicating the way I've been talking about communicating uh, to employees uh, or uh, any anything like, or for example very important like like we're lean and mean like guerrilla tactics we're not gonna like all of that is done via like you know I'm traveling I, I travel in a certain way I travel in a certain class I travel in a certain hotel I rent this car I do whatever my culture is like at the beginning like you need to live it yourself and, and show it as an example um, and that and then I, as actually, as you were saying, this, I was thinking to myself, and that's actually how you build that core people, those core group. You need those core, those first people, those first people who learned the mantra of what the culture is, who are then going to hand it off to other people, right? So it's that first group of people that you have with you that hopefully stay with you because that's like, if you've done a good job, they're staying with you. Those people are going to be the people that carry the torch of this, of this culture. And then hopefully you know, they're feeding it and creating it and, and it gets passed on further and further. Culture is another one I want to talk about for sure on a separate sort of podcast, but I'm blown away by what culture is like culture, like, like in, in, in the companies that I, that, that I founded and I'm involved with, it blows my mind. It, it has a life of its own. Like you start something out tiny and it actually just keeps growing and growing and the same values the same things keep getting passed on and you don't have anything to do with it anymore you never said anything and it's these things are installed sometimes it goes and sometimes it goes bad sometimes bad cultural habits get installed i've seen that as well so um yeah, yeah anyway, culture is quite yeah. hard to define I, I got into an argument the other day not not with you but about this and I said that culture is shared experience, but I think in the corporate context, in a company context, it's also like it's shared experience, and it's the way we it's the way we do things. You know, this is the way we do things. This is yeah. this is this is how we react to things, and you know, and, it, and, and this is how we can... feel about things, and this is where we, you know, we do the right thing, or just even doing the right thing. Like we do the right thing. Sometimes we do the right thing, not even though it's not the most profitable thing. We do the right thing, basically. I mean, but that's stuff that only will get taught via you know, uh, living it and doing it. And that's, and that's actually the job of the entrepreneur. That's actually, if you, it's so funny. I never really thought it's a very interesting actually conversation for me because I haven't really thought about this, but the entrepreneur themselves, that's actually one of their main roles is to set the culture via living the culture at the beginning of the company and making sure that you have your top people sticking with you so that they've learned that culture and then continue to pass that on and grow that going on. I actually think that's a huge contribution that the actual entrepreneur makes uh, at the beginning, because that's the kind of stuff that sticks with the company for a long time. Yes. And I mean, again, I think this does feed into leadership because I remember, uh, and this was a long time ago, you were, or we were talking about the danger of the, we've made it, we've made it moment that if, uh, if, if uh, sometimes, and it's a big problem in the startup community that where people get funded startups, they're not under the normal financial pro because we're both boot for our listeners. We're both bootstrappers. We base both got our companies going on the, the money we we're making from current sales. We never had that moment where some generous or stupid or wise external investor dumped a whole lot of cash in the company bank sheet and the balance sheet. And there wasn't any, there wasn't there wasn't any financial pressure, but if you have that um, 
feel if the CEO, the founders have that feeling we've arrived, then it kind of takes the pressure off. And you know, there's money in the bank. You're you're renting an expensive office, buying expensive office furniture. In the days of business cards, fancy business cards. So I think that maybe it's even more of a problem as you get successful. The later arrivals feel they're joining a successful organization that has the right to be successful rather than that ongoing need to be successful needing to be maintained every single day i don't know whether that's very clear so i'm basically the question is or the comment is you know it can be a challenge to keep that original culture going if you're not careful yeah i mean um i thought it was interesting what you said about startup i actually think that's so detrimental um like we earned it and we got there we earned that bank account we had to earn that amount in the bank so that we could then have nice parties or do fancy things do cool things we always wanted to be i always wanted to have a cool company but <laughs> but i didn't it didn't i didn't start by having a cool i think and i think i actually did, did have cool companies but i didn't stay you know and they may have been cool as cool as they could possibly be with no money but obviously the cool factor could increase as we made money and we could afford to be cool. But the real danger, I think what you're describing is you unearned coolness. <laughs> like they got, they, they've been given their, they've been given, they've been giving their financing and now they could have a cool office or a cool after activities or integration parties and stuff like that. And like, they didn't earn it. And, 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 you know, I think that's a big, I think that's, I think that's one of the big problems that investors uh that investors face actually is that you're okay. having to like there's a huge value in learn in, in in grinding through and actually surviving that period because a lot of companies okay. don't so you survive that period and you get to the point where you have the bank account where you can be cool then you actually probably are cool <laughs> i mean yes i i i i heard it this expressed very nicely and although neither of us are particularly into cars i an american said a lot of a lot of entrepreneurs drive expensive german cars but buying an expensive german car doesn't turn you into an entrepreneur and i think there's a lot of the startup community um particularly there's there's this sort of image of sort of if they behave like google and they put bean bags in their meeting rooms and buy nintendos and table football that turns them into a successful cool company so they're going through the form of it without having earned it and i i, I exactly and, and i i think that that feeds into an aspect of leadership which you've been talking to without using the word, which is setting an example. If you want people to work in the company way and you don't set an example, you're not going to you're not going to get there. So, and that trust can only be built in the context of well, you're doing it too. If you if you want people, and I remember there's a good example about as this was a long time ago. We were both running businesses in Poland and. There were, it was a snowy morning and you, you and I, I was on the phone to you and you said, you know, you know what I've been doing this morning? And it was like shoveling the snow out of the company car park. And I, I just remember, you know, at that time thinking that is part of the lean mean, uh, the lean mean culture, because, you know, we didn't have the budget back then to have a, a car park cleaner, probably. And it needed to yeah. be done. I mean, you know, it's just, it's, yeah, but it's also like, uh, and this comes into, um, as I said, we can maybe in, on another episode talk about leadership and ego. Ego is another one of my favorite topics. Um, I just don't think that, but like just to wrap sort of on that sort of thought, I just think that they're like you should be running a company and that um, 
you know, that nobody's too important to do a job. Nobody's too important to pick up the garbage that's on the ground. Nobody's too important to shovel the snow. Nobody's too important uh, to do anything. But I did think that that once again adds into that bank account of goodwill. Like once you start, that's sort of what I was referring to. Once you start treating people like it's not like, you know, you're sending the lowest paid person out to do that job and the highest paid, you know, I mean, that everybody's required to do everything. Um, particularly, you know, obviously things change as you get bigger, you have to hire prima donnas and enjoy them. <laughs> That's a whole nother management topic uh, in itself. There can be value. There can be value in having super talented people to do very specific things, and 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 they may not be team players and stuff like that. In, in another interesting topic for for later. But generally, when we're talking about founding the company and getting it going, I think just treating everybody equally and sort of saying everybody's there, everybody's got to pitch in is at least from my perspective, the kind of culture that, you know, I would like to have in my company. So okay. and I think that and just, I think that all. And I, uh, totally. And I, and I, I think, I think that, uh, you know, you're unlikely to get to the stage of big company problems if you don't build a, build the culture right in the early exactly. stages. But, because, you know, exactly. from a rational, a lot of people don't realize this, but a, a, from a rational point of view, a smart person, isn't automatically attracted to a small company because a small company is much more risky. There's, you know, their friends aren't going to be impressed. There's less, you know, there's less obvious uh, chances for promotion, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, just to, just to, just to wrap it up, I, I would say to our listeners that if you would like us to focus on a particular topic after you've given us a nice review on iTunes or Apple podcasts or Spotify, and after you've recommended this episode to a friend or two, do, do, do write to us via, via the MBN asking, uh, asking us to move on to other topics and any other feedback is much, much, much welcomed. So lastly, Kim, and if you had to summarize, summarize what you think about trust and leadership in a couple of sentences, I know what I'm going to say, but I'd like to give you the opportunity to go first. Yeah, um, I mean, look, just take the plunge. Honestly, it's short. I mean, just take the plunge. It's like, it's not, I don't, there's not a, this isn't rocket science. Um, it's about, you know, I think, it's, this is difficult for me because it just comes naturally. I'm just trying to think of that for everybody. Like I think, and, and actually for you, Richard, I think it actually also comes naturally as well. Maybe we're lazy. <laughs> Maybe it's lazy. I've always wondered if I'm lazy, if it's my laziness that drives my trust or what drives it. But sort of, so I'm really more speaking to the people that this isn't their natural sort of inclination. And I know that it's not because you um, are a mean controlling boss it's just that it's just you want it you probably just want it done really well and you're afraid that if you if you can't let you know if you let other people do it that then they may mess it up and your 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 baby might be ruined and that's the to those people i would say look you just need to take the plunge like you spent the money you hired these people trust the process um and in the worst case scenario even if it even if you get screwed over you'll 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 survive and and you'll learn you'll learn from it and you'll improve your process but i would be trying to improve my process of hiring and and managing people rather than than uh just stop trusting people so that 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 would be my take yeah well th thank you i i have a slightly different reflection which is that if you're considering starting an organization uh, it sh I hope it's obvious from this from this conversation. We both believe you need to aim to build a trusting culture, which means not just trusting the people who report to you and setting an example, but trusting yourself. And that's not the same as being perfect. 
and it's not about being perfect it's about being honest with people and so for example if you want to have a trusting culture with your management team your top team you might want to share with them some problem you're grappling with because you just don't know you just don't know how to handle something really important and that builds trust because the more you can get across the fact that you know you may have a vision you may have a goal you may have established something that's broadly working that doesn't make you perfect the more people will identify with you and and trust you as someone who's being authentic and open and if you're a very if you don't trust yourself and you don't trust other people and you don't trust your customers or your vendors or your family then possibly entrepreneurship may be quite a a challenging challenging life for you but on the other hand i think some of our great greatest most celebrated entrepreneurs in the in the world who uh, featured on the front pages of magazines might meet my negative descriptions so so who, we're just giving our personal perspective on this so with that i, I do think, like... i do think though just uh, i just do think that 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 just what you said was really good actually i think what you said was about about not being because I, i do think that's a that's a big issue not being perfect yourself and actually what you said was you show your vulnerability if you reveal your vulnerability you will gain trust with your immediate uh reports and the people that you work with and that is very powerful and actually i think it's massively counterintuitive and a lot of people don't do that so i really like what you said i think it's actually um not being scared to show your vulnerability to because you you aren't the all the, you aren't the wizard of oz the all encompassing the all powerful the all knowing the all everything you're not that and letting them know that that you're human is going to work in your favor for sure <clears throat> indeed indeed it will and on that note thank you kimon and thank you to our listeners <laughs>